0: I'm Chris Oaks and coming up today, the schools, the pandemic and the PTA. What is the future of parental involvement in the classroom? It is teacher appreciation week. We've all gained new appreciation for the work teachers do. So we'll tell you how you can give your favorite teacher a dream vacation, along with $25,000 for their school. Also this morning, Blanchard Valley Health System's Dr. Bill Coase discusses the latest public health guidance for those who have been vaccinated and the possibility of making COVID-19 shots available to those under the age of 16. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, May 4th, 2021. It is Star Wars Day today. May the 4th be with you. Also, it is uh, Anti-Bullying Day, Childhood Depression Awareness Day. Those are two things that kind of go hand in hand. Anti-Bullying Day, Childhood Depression Awareness Day. uh, International Firefighters Day today. International Respect for Chickens Day. Now, that's a day that we can all get behind, I think. International Respect for Chickens Day. It is National Concert Day. Man, it'd be nice to have uh, concerts back again, wouldn't it? To celebrate National Concert Day. It just doesn't seem like much of a celebration when we're not having concerts. National Kids Fitness Day. National Orange Juice Day. National Weather Observers Day. National Petite and Proud Day. Renewal Day. And it is World Asthma Day. All along with Star Wars Day on this Tuesday, May the 4th. Be with you the 124th day of 2021, 241 days until the uh, end of the year. So the big news story yesterday, Bill and Melinda Gates are getting divorced. And apparently, we get word that there was no prenup. No prenup? Are you kidding me? The story goes that Bill Gates, when he was considering proposing to Melinda, did one of those pro and con charts on a whiteboard in his office. You know, one column, you list all of the pros of getting married. <laughs> the other side lists all of the uh, cons. Um, what he should have done was a cost-benefit analysis. Um, <laughs> no prenup. So pick your side, either your team Bill or team Melinda, because this one could be a wild ride. Speaking of technology, big news here from uh, Facebook. The oversight board for Facebook said yesterday that it will announce its decision on whether or not former President Donald Trump will be allowed back on their platform or remain banned on Wednesday. So tomorrow, that decision will be coming. Facebook suspended Mr. Trump on uh, January 7th, the day after the attack of the U.S. Capitol, saying his account posed a risk of inciting more violence. The suspension applied not only to the Facebook platform itself, but also to Instagram, which they own. Twitter, which had been Trump's favorite way of communicating via social media, permanently banned him later that month, and YouTube suspended him indefinitely. So Facebook referred Trump's suspension on January 21st to its oversight board, which is made up of lawyers, scholars, and other outside experts to act as sort of an independent voice um, of final judgment on all things Facebook. YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki is that how you pronounce it? I don't even know. Anyway, he has said, or she has said, that uh, Trump will be allowed back once the risk of violence subsides. But that's sort of open-ended, isn't it? But anyway, Facebook will make their announcement tomorrow. I look forward to that, and folks will be buzzing about it, I'm sure. So this is uh, kind of an interesting story. I saw this on the uh, Newswire this morning, and it got me to thinking, this is sort of uh, real-world scientific research. Which would motivate you more, money or free beer? Which would be the biggest motivator to you? One week after West Virginia, the state of West Virginia, announced that they would be giving $100 savings bonds to anyone between the ages of 16 and 35 who got a COVID-19 vaccine. You remember, we were talking about this last week. So West Virginia is giving a $100 savings bond to anyone who gets the vaccine. Now New Jersey has announced a different approach to try and encourage vaccination. Governor Phil Murphy has announced an effort called Shot in a Beer Uh, This was announced yesterday on Twitter. Residents of that state, age 21 and over, who get vaccinated will be able to get a free beer at one of over a dozen breweries that have teamed up with this state program. The offer will be available through May for any eligible person who gets at least their first dose of the vaccine. Another part of New Jersey's vaccination effort is called Grateful for the Shot in which the state is partnering with religious leaders so that worshipers can go straight from services to vaccination sites. Or is it the other way around? Anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, for those teetotalers, that may be. But free beer, we're about to find out which would be the bigger motivator, free money or free beer. Hmm little uh, unscientific scientific research there. I thought that was really interesting to see which has the uh, greater, you know, come back three or four months from now and uh, and see which one was more successful. But anyway, a couple of other uh, interesting stories, some of the most buzzworthy stories to start off your Tuesday morning. More and more people flying again as the country continues to emerge from the pandemic. And this is kind of interesting. The Transportation Security Administration, TSA, has been screening more than a million passengers a day. On Sunday, the number was 1.6 million. And that is the most since mid-March of last year. Each weekend, it seems like they set a new record for the number of passengers screened by the TSA. And You know what that means? I don't know if you you traveled over the past year at all. I have flown a couple of times uh, over the past year. Um, And the the first thing you notice if you go to an airport at any time since last March is that the lines are virtually non-existent. And you don't have to worry about waiting in line to get screened By the TSA. But now that passengers are returning, the lines are returning as well. And people don't like that. Seattle Tacoma International uh, Airport, SeaTac, is starting a program today that they say will help avoid lengthy waits in line to get screened at security the airport. Under the program, passengers will be able to digitally reserve a place in line for a security screening. Hmm. There are two options to be tested for the virtual queuing. In one, Alaska Airlines passengers will be able to uh, sign up for a TSA screening reservation online up to 24 hours before their scheduled departure time or in the terminal. So you can do it in in advance on the app or uh, at the terminal. I guess they'll have a kiosk or something. And you'll get a QR code to use at the checkpoint at their reserve time reservations can also be made for groups of up to 12 people so if you're traveling with your family or traveling with a tour group or you know something like that the second option is for delta passengers so alaska airlines and delta in this pilot program for delta passengers Uh, they will be able to receive a screening appointment time by scanning a QR code once they're in the terminal. Oh, I'm sorry. It says for Delta and those on other airlines. Okay. So one system for Alaska. Alaska Alaska Airlines is based in Seattle. So that's why they have a bit of a preferential treatment there. But anyway, for other passengers, airlines, passengers will be able to reserve a screening appointment time by scanning a QR code once they are at the terminal itself. So you still have to wait, but you don't have to stand there in line with a bunch of other people. And uh, reservations for groups of up to 10 will be allowed uh, on that. I'm just surprised that it took this long to come up with that idea. That's that's what I thought was uh, kind of interesting about it. But if it works, again, this is at Seattle-Tacoma SeaTac uh, Airport. For now, if it works there, they'll roll it out elsewhere, apparently. So that may be coming to an airport near you and of course uh, as the pandemic wanes some cities have uh, started sending employees back to the office cases decline and in turn we knew this was going to happen anecdotally the, the reason I bring this up more people going back to the office is that anecdotally over the past year we have kind of we have seen sales of clothing decline, and we've sort of assumed that it's because people haven't been going to the office, they spending more time in their PJs and their sweats and, you know, all of that, rather than getting gussied up for work. But it's kind of been an assumption that that is the case. And now we actually have some hard evidence of that. Sales of business attire have increased. As more employees are heading back to the office, Wall Street Journal reports that Hagar employees are now working overtime to make sure retailers get enough blazers and trousers. And this was the part of the story that made me kind of chuckle. LL Bean says its sales of anything with zippers and buttons <laughs> have recently begun outselling anything with elastic and drawstrings. <laughs> So that means regular business attire, not sweatpants (laughs) or yoga pants, things like that. Retailers also say that many shoppers are looking for crossover clothing items that can serve multiple purposes, and they are reporting upticks in foot traffic as pandemic restrictions ease, and people slowly return to in-person shopping. So that's the other thing. Uh, Will people return to the stores? And it appears uh, that at least for clothing retailers, they are, but... Uh I would say that may be an outlier because it's much more difficult to buy clothing online i'm I'm always hesitant about buying things like clothing and shoes, things that have to have a certain fit because you can't try them on. but then again, in a lot of stores you go in the uh uh fitting rooms are are closed still, and uh so it's it makes it tough to a uh, clothes shop. My wife and I went to clothes shopping. A few days ago, and uh, it's just tough when you can't try anything on. I mean, sure, they say, well, you can just bring it back, but, you know, that's a hassle. It's a hassle to go out once, let so alone have to go out again. But anyway, I digress. I just thought it was uh, kind of interesting the uh, the funny part of that story. L.L. Bean saying, sales of anything with zippers and buttons <laughs> is starting to outpace sales of anything with the elastic waist- waistbands and Uh, drawstrings so that's (laughs) another sign that things are getting back to normal there you go some of the more interesting and buzzworthy stories to start off your tuesday morning
1: wfin news i'm matt demchek the wtol 11 first alert forecast a chance of showers today with a high around 70 chance of showers tonight a low around 50 an iconic Finley restaurant has closed their dining room and is only serving customers through their drive through for the time being. Doug Baker, the owner of Wilson's, says he had to make the change because of a lack of employees. We're just so shorthanded, we're down to about five or six people a day. Uh, generally, we need nine to ten every day. You know, we'd like to start opening on Sundays again as well. It's just impossible with the number of people that we have. Doug said he would need to hire at least three more workers to be able to reopen the dining room, and preferably he would like to hire five more employees. Starting pay is ten fifty an hour. People interested should apply in person. Get more on our website. Cooper Tire and Rubber Company had a strong first quarter. The company's reporting a first quarter 2021 net income of $22 million compared to a net loss of twelve million for the same period last year. President and CEO Brad Hughes says their teams continue to do a great job of executing their strategy, which resulted in first quarter 2021 volume that exceeded not only the coronavirus impacted 2020 level, but also 2019. They said they expect to complete the previously announced merger with Goodyear Tire in the second half of 2021. Governor DeWine says fully vaccinated workers at Ohio's nursing homes and assisted living facilities won't need to be tested for COVID-19. He made the announcement during an update on the pandemic yesterday. Those employees who have not been vaccinated will still need to undergo mandatory testing for the virus twice a week. The governor says he hopes the new rule will increase vaccine uptake in care facilities. Finley Mayor Christina Mern has issued a proclamation honoring the city's teachers.
2: Now, therefore, I, Christina M. Mern, Mayor of the City of Finley, Ohio, do proclaim May 3rd through May 7th, 2021, as Teacher Appreciation Week in Finley, Ohio.
1: And during Teacher Appreciation Week, the mayor is encouraging everybody to personally express their appreciation to a teacher for their hard work and dedication. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com.
0: a big part of the narrative about the impact of COVID-19 has surrounded education and remote versus in-person student learning and all of this, as much as schools have been impacted by the pandemic, so have organizations such as the PTA. Leslie Boggs is president of the National PTA with us uh, on the line this morning. and Leslie, your mission has always been about getting parents involved in their kids' education. One could certainly argue that they have never been more involved than they have been over the past year of remote learning.
3: That is so true. Um, what we've seen across this nation is parents were thrown into a role that they probably weren't comfortable with in the beginning. Um, that they're, they were their child's teacher, mentor, coach, sometimes their friend. because Everyone was becoming so disconnected. So parents' roles changed. And within that, we've seen PTAs step up and make a difference and really help them succeed.
0: Obviously, the discussion about schools has gone through a number of stages over the past year. Most recently, there has been something of a butting of heads, I guess, between some teachers who say they are not yet comfortable with their own safety in the classroom uh, setting and, and parents who say, we've got to get students back in class. We can't continue to do our jobs and play substitute teacher as well. Has that strained? I mean, Is there a concern that that has strained the, the parent-teacher relationship and maybe uh, hurt some of the good? will uh, that has existed in the past?
3: I don't think so. I think what we've seen is a stronger engagement and a a bigger um, understanding of the roles of teachers and the importance that they make and the difference they make in our children's lives. So what I'm looking forward to is that partnership becoming stronger because they understand the need to be there and support The teachers and the administrators for everyone's voices to be at the table so we make sure that our schools are safe for everyone to be in attendance and that's about having that conversation because every community is different and the needs are different and the only way that they're going to know what everyone wants um, to make that happen is to engage parents teachers and administrators in that conversation so we can ensure the health and safety of our
0: children. So with all of that in mind, from the remote classrooms that parents have adapted to over the course of the past year to these conversations about uh, getting kids back in class full time throughout the, uh, all of this, how has that changed the role of the the PTA? And talk about the way the PTA has responded to this unique situation.
3: Well, it's certainly been, you know, a year of challenges, Um, but what I've learned is our volunteers are very flexible, and so they've really looked at the community, um, looked at what our mission statement says, and said, okay, so how can we impact and make a difference? So they've done things like um, helping address the food insecurity, um, bridging the digital divide. They've provided resources for distance teaching and learning. They've really the importance of family engagement, which means those critical conversations between teachers and parents and administrators to ensure the success of their children. And then they also provided resources and support for the mental health and social and emotional well-being of students and their families because everybody is stressed because things have changed so much, so they know they need those added supports. And so how do we help them in that particular area? Well, I've seen Lots of um, PTAs across the nation have panels of experts that talk about mental health, how to have those conversations with their, their children, how to, for them to address their own mental health needs. And even the teachers are the same thing. How can we help them address their needs? Because we've heard that as well. And our PTAs have stepped up and made that difference.
0: You know, the traditional role of the uh, PTA, uh, one big part of it, as many people uh, know, we've all probably had the experience uh, as our kids have uh, grown up in the uh, school system, is getting parents involved in their kids' classrooms, being room mothers, uh, chaperones on field trips, any ways that parents uh, can become involved uh, in the actual physical classroom itself. Has that changed uh, perhaps permanently because of all of this? I mean, certainly as kids go back to class, they're being very cautious about uh, who is in the classroom. Do you see that kind of changing moving forward?
3: I think everything will change, actually, because of this pandemic. We've learned things differently. Um, We've also learned what um, the impact can be whenever parents are are really engaged virtually. Mm -hmm. I think anyone that wants to be involved will find a way to be involved. And um, virtually we've learned that parents become more engaged depending on their roles. And so some people work all the time. So we we've learned that they're engaged because they've been given that opportunity virtually. Mm -hmm. Um, You can, if you're, a math whiz and you want to have a Zoom meeting of parents and give them mentoring so they can help their child succeed in math, there's a place for you to make a difference. And that's one thing that I've learned with our association as we've created a new membership campaign. There's a way for you to impact a child if you want to, whether it's on the campus or off the campus, Um, We don't necessarily have to be in the school building to make a difference. So there's a way for anybody and everybody to be a part of our association. And the more we have in our association, the more successful you'll see those schools and students become.
0: That campaign you referenced, uh, that is the PTA for Your Child campaign. And where do folks learn more about that?
3: Um, They can go on our website at pta.org. And there are... Lots of information on the membership campaign. There's also a way for you to join on on our website. Um, There's programmatic resources on that website, plus a podcast that's there for all the parents to to, um, hear and listen to. Um, There's just lots of places for you to find out about this campaign. You can find out on social media because we have a Facebook page, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn. We're all there with those critical messages about the campaign and how you can be a part of our
0: association. Well, and uh, that is really the bottom line. And uh, I guess the point that we want to make sure that we make here in in looking forward is that maybe one of the silver linings of all of this is the uh, recognition really driving that point home that parental involvement is so critical, uh, not just when kids are uh, learning at home, but uh, in in their uh, kids' education, in whatever form that. That may take and hopefully uh that will be the enduring message out of all of this again leslie boggs is president of the national pta leslie thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it thank you chris Well, this is Teacher Appreciation Week, as we were mentioning a little bit earlier, and certainly over the past year, all of us have gained a new appreciation for the job teachers do. Also, after many months of shutdown, the cruise industry is ready to set sail again. Now, what do those two things have in common? Well, Norwegian Cruise Line is relaunching its Giving Joy campaign, awarding 100 teachers in the U.S. and Canada a free cruise and a chance at up to $25,000 for their school. Joining us is NCL's VP of Communication and Events, Christine De Silva, And obviously, Christine, more important than ever to celebrate our teachers, don't you think?
2: I do think. I do think. It is it's been an incredibly difficult uh, 15 months for many of us, teachers included. You know, their profession is truly a profession under pressure. They've been hard at work, you know, learning new ways to teach, trying to keep your students engaged and informed and connected. And, you know, the work that they do is absolutely incredibly invaluable, but I think we all recognize this year, how
0: truly invaluable it is yeah uh they have certainly earned the right to put their feet up and turn off their webcams for a while on a relaxing cruise uh now this as we mentioned this is a program the norwegians giving joy campaign uh actually predates the pandemic you are relaunching it here post-pandemic talk a little bit about the inspiration behind this for those who aren't familiar with this campaign for
2: sure for sure we launched it for the first time in 2019. It is an award-winning campaign, and really the inspiration was the intersection between education and travel. You know, we are in the travel business, and we truly believe it's one of the best educations out there. When you see different things, you experience different people and try different foods, and, you know, it's just a different world to recognize that you can do different and be different, and that's what teachers do every day, right? You know, they open up our minds, they block our horizons. And so we really wanted to celebrate that connection um, and just give them a little love. Like you said, you know, they've earned the opportunity to put their feet up and go on vacation, and we certainly can do that for them.
0: So uh, give us all of the nuts and bolts here. Who is eligible to participate? How can people go about nominating and voting for their uh, favorite teachers for the chance to win? Talk about how all of this works.
2: Absolutely. We kept it simple. You know, um, we recommend people go to NCL givingjoy.com it's a short form go in fill it out tell us why the teacher or teachers that you're nominating are deserving of a free cruise and potentially the grant prizes um and so the campaign runs for four weeks it's over on june 4th we recommend that you go in and nominate and vote now to give more time for those votes to come in because the the people that get the most votes are the ones that will win And, and the campaign is open to any teachers in the U.S. and in Canada. They're going to win crazy amazing cruises. There's seven night cruises for two out of the U.S. and Canada. And best of all, they can um, take those cruises through summer 2023.
0: Okay. Now, you know, as much as they have earned a little R&R, as we mentioned before, I would be willing to bet that a lot of teachers will be equally excited, if not more so, about the uh, $25,000 in grant money, potentially, their school can receive, knowing that it will benefit the kids. That's just how teachers are wired. So again, this is more than just a cruise for the teachers. It
2: absolutely is. You know, we we with the first campaign, we recognized that truly the teachers were more excited about those grant sizes so they could give their students access to things that they, they didn't have before. So it made us incredibly proud to, to number one, thank these people. They're truly selfless in many, many ways. Um, and then also help some kids, you know, become more well-rounded and, and just, you know, have them explore and be adventurers. It, It's just a wonderful campaign
0: all around. We're really proud of it. It is uh, really a wonderful, uh, wonderful campaign. And we'll link it up on our webpage so folks can uh, find that and and nominate a teacher and then spread the word and get those votes uh, in. And uh, as we mentioned, uh, obviously, in addition to what a a crazy year this has been for teachers, it's certainly been a crazy year for your industry. How how excited are you to be getting ready to get back uh, to sailing again?
2: We are incredibly excited. You know, we start out of grief on July 25th and we're just very hopeful and, and excited to welcome our guests back. It's been a really long time. I know that our short size team and our crew is just, we're chomping at the bit to bring everybody back. So, um, We're
0: ready to go. I I think everyone is ready to uh, get to vacationing again. So uh, pretty cool stuff there. Again, uh, Christine DeSilva with us, Norwegian Cruise Line, Vice President of Communication and Events. Christine, give us uh, the uh, website one more time uh, for the Giving Joy campaign for our dedicated teachers. For sure.
2: nclgivingjoy.com. Thank you so much.
0: We interrupt this program to bring you a Broken News Alert. And now, today's Broken News Update brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Police were called to the Ardmore Tea Room in Halifax, Nova Scotia early this past Thursday morning after someone called in a report that someone was dining indoors at the facility in violation of COVID-19 lockdown rules. Serious violation here. Serious crime. Mike Cormier owns the tea room and says he saw the officer, responding officers, peering through the window at a mannequin sitting at the table. (laughs) He says he went out to speak with the officer to confirm that the caller had mistaken the mannequin for a human customer. Mr. Cormier posted about the incident on Instagram, writing, quote, please don't call the police on us. We are open for takeout and delivery, not dine in. She's a mannequin to help with social distancing. <laughs> <clears throat> I saw someone dining indoors. We gotta. That's still not allowed in Canada, so there's a reason for that call. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, police do crazy. Uh, people do crazy things for animals sometimes. At about 12:40 uh, in the morning yesterday. Police in Tampa, Florida, responded after a report of a man using a BB gun to shoot out windows at a local home. They arrived to find Paul Ezel armed with a taser, a BB gun, mace, and gasoline. Apparently, he was going to burn his neighbor's house down after he shot out all the windows. And uh, it all started because of an argument regarding a dog. (laughs) That's, That's why... Uh, Mr. Ezell was upset. Investigators say the homeowner had allowed Mr. Ezell inside for a few months uh, before he was asked to leave for causing per, uh, previous disturbances. Mr. Ezell had thrown an unknown object through the front window and entered the home where he sprayed three occupants with a mace. He caused damage to an SUV owned by one of the home's occupants, all in an argument about a dog i don't know what the I don't know what the argument was, only that it was about a dog, Mr. Ezel uh, faces several charges, including battery, throwing a deadly missile into an occupied home and arson <coughs> throwing a deadly missile into an occupied home all about a dog <coughs> An Oregon man is pleading guilty to uh, cashing nearly a half a million dollars worth of social security checks that were intended for his aunt, who had died a half a century ago. The Social Security Administration got, got suspicious and started the investigation because the woman would have been the second oldest person living in the U.S. at 114 years old. <laughs> and thought, wait a minute, we're still paying benefits for somebody who should be 114 years old. Maybe we should look into this. They learned... That the woman actually died in 1971, 50 years ago. George George Dumar uh, admitted to cashing $458,000 worth of Social Security checks under his plea deal, is sentenced to 10 years in prison, and he will have to repay the money. How he intends to do that. That's a lot of money to repay, especially if you're in prison. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, A Pennsylvania man is now under arrest after breaking into a woman's home and stealing several items, including all of her adult toys. (laughs) Michael Holden, age 37, accused of breaking into the house while the 35-year-old victim was asleep on the couch. Once he was inside, he allegedly helped himself to $700 in cash as well as all of the intimate items. According according to an affidavit uh, obtained by the uh, website, The Smoking Gun, the victim was able to identify Mr. Holden, who was a neighbor and a casual acquaintance based on an eyewitness description. The victim and her boyfriend later approached Mr. Holden at his home, where he made a full confession, and it is not his first brush with the law. He has previous convictions for criminal trespass, assault, and contempt, He also has outstanding charges for disorderly conduct and public drunkenness, but it is believed this is the first time that he has made off with a cache of adult toys. (laughs) So that is new. Anyway, of all the things to steal, right? There you go. That is uh, today's update of the broken news. This uh, report on the odd and unusual side of the news, Uh, public service more or less
4: online at
0: WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. And this is really dramatic. During the year of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, many people, of course, forced to isolate themselves at home. uh, And that led to a lot of boredom, uh, a lot of loneliness, as people tried to find ways to cope. Uh, One way... Uh, was by creating online dating accounts in you know, virtual dating, whether people were really dating or not or just were looking to meet people to socialize with virtually. And that led to an explosion over the past year of online dating scams, catfishing uh, led to this was amazing to me, more than a fifty percent increase in the amount of money lost to online dating scams. Uh, 304 million dollars was lost last year uh, up from 201 million the year before and uh, it, it, a lot of people let their guard down because you think you're not meeting these people in person so i'm not at risk but these scammers are clever they figure out a way to separate you from your money the five most targeted states for online dating scams in 2020 california Texas, Florida, Michigan, and New York, the least targeted states, um, probably due to lower population. Places like Wyoming, Delaware, South Dakota, North Dakota, and Vermont. Um, this is all even as dating app revenue exceeded three billion dollars for the first time uh, in 2020. Ohio ranked 19th overall. And the number of uh, the number of scams. Let me see if I can. There we go. Number of uh, scams perpetrated on Ohioans: 528 cases were reported, with a, an estimated 7.7 million dollars lost. Uh, the moral of the story: always keep your guard up, regardless of how legitimate you think that uh, relationship might be. Well, we were told from the very beginning that getting things back to normal after the pandemic would be a gradual process, that it would not happen all at once. And that is exactly what has been happening here Uh, over the past several months. The public health guidance continues to be updated as more people get vaccinated. But some of it uh, sometimes doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And uh, joining us uh, once again this morning to try and clarify some of this, Dr. Bill Coase, Blanchard Valley Health System. And Dr. Coase, obviously, just to be clear, you don't make the rules, but hopefully as a medical professional, you can help us understand uh, some of them. For example, and this is one of the big ones uh, that I, I'm hearing, and I'm sure you've heard from a lot of people uh, as well. If I have been fully vaccinated, which I have been, by the way, uh, if uh, those who have been fully vaccinated, why do they need to continue to mask up and socially distance and, and all of that? I mean, we've heard that that protects us and protects us from being a a carrier and spreading it to others. So why the big deal about all the masks still?
4: Well, Chris, uh, first, it's a good question, and I can understand why people would ask that if you just look at it from a standpoint of the theory of how the vaccines were developed and what the efficacy was, that at the best was 95%, which is really good. If everybody had that vaccine, the herd immunity thing, there wouldn't be very much going on. But just say say it's 90% effective or 95%. If you have a 1,000 people that are infected or are vaccinated, there still are a a number that could get infected. So it was 90%. That would mean 100 out of 1,000 people. We've had 20,000 people here in, in Hancock County that have been vaccinated, that you can do the math. It's okay, you still could have 1,000, 2,000 people that could get infected. One of the things about the vaccine, just again the theory, is that we are giving someone but an expectation that the body is going to respond to make antibodies. And not everybody has the immune. Same immune system. Some of them may be uh, genetically, it may be because of diseases that they've contracted, might even be medications that are not going to make it quite as effective. So that to answer the, the short answer is, yeah, we think for most people it's going to take care of them, but mm-hmm. there still would be a few. And part of the vaccine itself is to take care of yourself, but we also don't want it being passed on to someone else uh, as far as it's efficacy we don't think that the vaccine uh we think that the vaccine is preventing someone from being a carrier mm-hmm. we haven't had a, examples of that but that was a concern also yeah. when it was developed
0: yeah uh and, and certainly uh, we can we know from experience how quickly uh a handful of cases can turn into mm-hmm. an outbreak and we certainly don't want mm-hmm. that uh, with respect to the vaccination rates, I, I think the last numbers that I saw locally were about on par with the national average. We're about where everyone else is. Uh, and this is where it begins to get a little bit more difficult. Uh, and, and again, I, I guess this was known going in that once you get past all of the people who have got to have it, uh, who are eager to get it, um you start to get to the people who are more resistant uh and, and that's kind of where we are now is it not
4: yes um I, I would i i would say that's true that um let's just say for lots of reasons that people have either read or that they are concerned or they're pregnant which is one that comes up a lot mm-hmm. that the elderly the the those that are immunosuppressed or had chronic diseases seemingly have gotten the vaccine the younger healthy have been more reluctant to get the vaccine that that is what we're seeing uh i'm somewhat surprised by that just in general is that as much as there was political let's just leave that term Mm -hmm. politicization of what happened with COVID in general both both sides um wanted development of a vaccine that was going to be the way we got through this and so i think a lot of us our expectations were it would be accepted a lot more than what it's been
0: yeah uh <laughs> speaking of uh, younger people uh, getting vaccinated we're hearing now that uh, the pfizer vaccine may the fir- may be the first to get approval for use in children under the age of 16 how critical is it to get this age group vaccinated
4: Well, I think we certainly want to get children in general vaccinated uh, with all ages. That group, the 12 to 16, which is being looked at with the data of what's what's happened, um, will intermingle more. I've been told anecdotally by teachers that that Group is the more difficult to keep social distance, wearing masks and things. And I'm stereotyping Mm -hmm. younger, the younger children have seemingly adapted it a little bit better than what maybe that group. So (laughs)
0: that's right.
4: the, the, The big thing is any group that we can get vaccinated that's just another person that can't get it, but as importantly, they can't give it to someone else. The concern about anyone that's younger is not just yourself, remembering. That you're trying to prevent it from being given to someone else especially right. those elderly that weren't vaccinated or you know we're still not sure if the vaccine how long it's going to last and then the biggest concern now is what you're seeing in india and brazil it's not just the uptake of that how that's going to affect us seeing more cases is that there we know they're going to be more variants right. uh, the, the virus it- mutates naturally and it's going to And so who knows what's going to be coming back uh, or
0: what's going to happen across the world. That is a good point. And we have uh, talked about it before. The key to getting ahead of those variants is getting people vaccinated uh, in the first place uh, so that there is some protection against some of those mutations. Uh, We are seeing more and more places easing restrictions. Uh, Even in the news, uh, New York City, I I think, wants to be fully reopened by July 1st, if not sooner. A lot of health experts remain concerned about doing too much too soon. Does the timeline sound right to you that, uh, again, uh, generally the idea is by the 4th of July, we can lift these restrictions and and have these uh, uh, gatherings more mask-free and be less concerned about social distancing and so on?
4: Well, um, I, I am somewhat concerned. I would say this is that when those goals were set out, there was an expectation that more people would be vaccinated that mm. that would appear that that's going to happen. With that being said, though, it is in the summer. And even though you've been vaccinated, uh, you still need to socially distance, wash your hands, uh, respiratory etiquette, et cetera. The same things we've been talking about, one, because of just those percentages, but also passing it on. So I think I think we do need to normalize more. I think we haven't seen as many cases at the hospital. The ones we see are younger. We're not hospitalizing as many. We've had a few people that have been vaccinated that have gotten COVID, um, but they don't seem to have been as sick, which goes along with exactly what was predicted with right. vaccination process. So right. um, I'm hoping by at least September that Things are even more normal that we'll be able to uh, feel more comfortable because we do. We do need to get people back, normalize loneliness, burnout, all of those things. They're real. We have to balance those two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Again, these are uh, topics that we've talked about uh, before, so nothing new in that uh, part of the conversation. And meanwhile, the uh, vaccination clinics and the availability continues. Uh, Again, uh, it's kind of interesting how far we've come from the uh, point where only certain uh, individuals could get vaccinated. You had to make an appointment. Uh, It might have been a week or more uh, wait before you could get the vaccination. And now uh, they're pretty much... Much available on demand uh, in many places uh, just like the uh, flu shot is every year and so the availability is there the clinics continue Um, I I am curious uh, with all of the controversy surrounding the one-shot Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine since the uh, pause has been lifted on that uh, has there been any hesitation here locally that you have noticed uh, of folks who are uh, hesitant to get that shot in particular
4: no, um, I have not heard anything personally, and even talking to public health, I think people raise the question, uh, certainly from a standpoint, if you're a female under 50, uh, that might be something that you would think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, have, we haven't had as much access just being able to pick. Uh, we're not doing any more mass vaccinations at the hospital because there hasn't been a demand. Yeah. Uh, we haven't asked for more um, of the vaccine, but Ah, uh, public health is continuing to do them um, during the day that people can walk in. I have not heard from them that there has been a big concern. It still was pretty, um, pretty unusual for this to occur, right. and and I think we've tried to educate people. If you would happen to get these symptoms, I know a lot of them. A lot of people have talked to their doctors, but there doesn't seem to be any mass reluctance
0: good news there. Again, uh, Dr. Bill Coase, Blanchard Valley Health System with us uh, this morning with answers to some of the uh, common questions about where we are right now in the vaccination effort and uh, where we are with the pandemic, where we may be going. Dr. Coase, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it.
4: Thanks for giving me the chance to talk, Chris.
0: And that will wrap up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, as always, you get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the 2021 Pet Parasite Forecast has been released. We'll find out what will be bugging your four-legged family members this spring and summer. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.